to the Icon Church podcast. Icon Church is one church in five locations. Our vision is human flourishing. We pray that this podcast helps you to flourish in life. For any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. So good. Before you take your seats, uh, uh, it is a great privilege and, and it's great to be together uh, in church this morning, isn't it? And we're not just here in Chesterfield, but we're welcoming our other locations with us in Shefford and Derby. So it's great to be one church, but in several locations. So why don't we just welcome everybody that's with us this morning, particularly if you're with us for the first time. Why don't you take your seats, grab your seats. Like Ben says, we're in, uh, in this series called Wired. It's, it's the third part and... Uh, it's my privilege to share with you this morning. And I, like Ben says, the, the first couple of weeks, I think, have been incredible. You know, two weeks ago, Nathan did uh, the first part, which was on uh, generosity, which, again, just brought some fresh revelation of all, the whole area of being generous. And then Siobhan, our location pastor in Derby, brought a, an incredible message on, on serving last week, which I really loved. And their basic thought, their thought was that we're going back to basics, that this series about Wired is about finding the fire in our original design. And this morning, I want us to, to think about worship, worship, and particularly that we are wired for worship, and what we worship shapes our lives. What we worship shapes our lives. And you know, everyone everywhere worships something. Everyone everywhere worships something because I think worship is that fundamental drive of life. Even atheists worship. Even skeptics worship because all people worship. For worship is that basic difference between humanity and the rest of creation. It's what we were created for. It's how we are wired to worship. You know, the Bible, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 It says this, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. God has set eternity in our hearts. Just think about that for a moment, that God has set eternity in our hearts. There's an urge from God that causes all men, all women everywhere to worship. Deep within all of us, I think, is that cry for God, that there's something missing, something that's absent in our lives, something that we long to fill. The question is, what are we going to fill it with? And worship is, I really believe, is about filling that void with God, the one true and living God. St. Augustine of Hippo wrote this, and I love this quote. He said this, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Think about that. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. I believe God wants us to have a relationship with him. God wants us to find our rest in him. For restless people, I think, to find our rest in God is an incredible thing. And one of the mysteries of worship is that it isn't about us, but it's about God. And yet God doesn't need our worship. It's something that we need. It's something for us. Because I believe, you know, God never changes. But when we worship, we change. When we give glory to God, I believe there's a change going off in our lives. It's something that shapes us. And I think we're wired in such a way, the fire in that original design, that we find our true identity when in a relationship with God who loves us and gave his life for us. He wants to do something brand new. He wants to do something in your life today. He wants to change you. And I think worship is one of those places where God begins to do that. So a question for us this morning, what form 
does our worship take? What form does our worship take? Let me say this firstly, without upsetting our creative team. You know, worship is not just about music and about singing. As wonderful as that, that is, it's not just about that. And please, creative guys, don't, don't shoot me down. But, but that's so true. But let me clarify. You know, when we think of our, our services, when we gather together, for example, you know, we categorize certain parts of that service. You know, this is the speaking part, the message part. This is the worship but actually, worship is all of that. It's everything that's going off. Now, music obviously is a platform for worship. And historically, as, as Christians, we're that singing faith. You know, there's a song in our hearts. And if you're new to church today, this might be the first experience for you of, of that. That about the people who follow Jesus and what we believe about worship. And what we believe about our great God, what he has done for us, that he gave his life for us, that he saved us, he's forgiven us. So we have this incredible relationship with God and hopefully that excites you, that puts a passion within your heart. So if we do have a skip in our step and some of us do leap and, and, and dance or you might have a, a smile on your face, it's not because our favourite team has won the premiership. Uh, and I know there are some Liverpool fans that might have a skip in their step and a smile on their face at the end of this season. <laughs> but you know, our smile, our joy comes from the reality that there is a God, that he's good, that he loves us, and we can have a relationship with him. So that is our joy. That's our passion. And today we're going to look at what it means to worship Remind ourselves again that it's not just music, it's not just singing, but worship is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that encompasses our whole life. Everything about us is worship. And worship, as much as it can be music and singing, it can also be conversing, you know, talking, it can be declaring, it can be preaching. So even, yes, even my preaching can be worship. Now it might be that I don't come across as being the worship leader this morning, but just think about that, this what they are declaring, I believe, is leading people's thoughts and affections towards Jesus. Think about that. So in the next 20 minutes or so, if I say something about Jesus and your affection for him grows, begins to grow, or your thoughts go to him, and you start to think that he's good, that he's great, that he's forgiven me, what's unfolding in your heart is worship. See, everything that we do today, our time together, is wrapped up in this idea of worship. We're turning our attention, we're turning our affection, we're turning our thoughts, we're turning our innovation, our creativity, our imagination, we're turning it all towards him. See, there's so much power to transform us when we do that. When we worship in that way, I believe we change. God wants to do something in your life today. We can be healed today, we can be restored, we can be reconciled, we can be transformed. We're believing that for every time that we gather together, we're expectant. See, there's power in gathering together and worshipping together. That's why we believe that we should make every opportunity to do so. You know, the Bible says don't put off gathering together because when we gather together, when we worship together, when we turn our thoughts and our affection and our love towards God, God's going to do something in your heart and in your life and those people around you as well. 
In a world where there is so much negative things going off, there's challenges in our society, there's pain and there's division, we have never needed more than ever today the healing power of Jesus. And I believe when we gather together, when we worship God, I believe there's healing power at present in, in, that, in that moment. I want us to turn to Luke chapter 19. That's going to help us this morning just to unpack and, and discover more about what worship's about. And we're going to look at the story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. Luke chapter 19. You can turn to that in your Bibles. Now this is a, one of those accounts that's recorded in all of the four Gospels. In Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And if you're taking notes, it's in Mark 21. It's in Mark, sorry, Matthew 21. It's in Mark 11. Uh, it's obviously in Luke 19, but it's also in John t- chapter 12. And let me encourage you to go and check out all the other accounts about the story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. I think it's a good thing to look at all the Gospels and see them, how they tell the story in different ways and in different styles because they're writing to different audiences. But I love the fact that they give us a full picture of what's happening. So let me encourage you to, to go and read that. See, I love this word, the Bible. It's all about Jesus. This book points me to a person and that person, Jesus, is alive and he's changing and he's transforming lives today and he's still doing that. Do you believe that? Amen. Let's read from Luke chapter 19 from verse 28 to verse 40. It says this, After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, He sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God and in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. In loud voices, with loud voices, think about that. You know, sometimes people say, why are you so loud? What's wrong with you? Why, why are you so loud? Why is the music so loud? You know, the goal of their loudness is not loudness. The goal is passion. And that the fact that they love Jesus and that Jesus has changed their lives. Sometimes we do get loud, you know, but it's not for loudness sake. Sometimes, you know, we do turn the volume up, but it's, you know, it's, it's a passion for Jesus. Nobody told these people to get loud. They got loud because of their gratitude for Jesus. They got loud because of their passion for Jesus. They were passionate. They loved him. Let me carry on reading verse 38. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Listen to this. This is an incredible statement. Jesus said this in verse 40. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet... The stones will cry out. If they keep quiet, the stones 
will cry out. You know, this worship thing is far more central than we realize. Far more central than we realize. If humans don't speak and do what I created them to do, the rocks will replace them. That's what Jesus is saying. Because even creation knows why it exists. Even creation knows why it exists. And I've got three observations this morning. Not points. Three observations from this passage that I believe will help us understand worship even more. My first observation is this, and all four Gospels record this. The people were saying in verse 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. These are are great words, but they're also full of Jewish history in these words. The people, the Jewish people were declaring blessed is the, the one who comes, the king who comes in the name of the Lord. It's almost a, a direct quote from Psalm 118. And in that psalm, they were, the, they were the songs that the Jewish people were singing. And they were singing about their escape, their deliverance from Egypt. In verse 26 of Psalm 118, it says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is their praise. This is their adoration of God for bringing them out of slavery and out of captivity. So think about this. The reality is as Jesus is entering into, entering into Jerusalem where he, will, he won't be murdered, his life will not be taken, but his life will be offered. No one takes his life. Jesus lays it down. Think about that. And as he enters into Jerusalem, the Jewish people are saying, what are they saying? They're quoting Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But they add king. They add king. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, because they recognise who Jesus is. This is the Messiah. This is the one. And they're here in Jerusalem to celebrate their festivals, their annual festivals, their Jewish history and tradition. But the fulfilment of all their tradition, of all their history, is here in this man, Jesus, riding on a lowly colt. They are saying that you are the one. You will deliver us from our captivity. They're declaring that you are God, that you are the Messiah. You know, these are not just nice words uh, that make up great praise songs, but they are full of prophetic fulfillment and declaration. They are declaring that in the same way that they've been there, that you delivered our ancestors from captivity, you will also deliver us from our captivity. What the people, though, do not understand is that Jesus will not deliver them like the way they think he will. See, they, they, they believe that Jesus has come to overthrow the current regime, the Romans, but they have no idea that Jesus plans to deliver them by, by dying, giving his life. They don't know that. But they keep declaring, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Their praise, their worship is saying, you brought us out. You brought us out. And my second observation is this. And three of the Gospels also recalled this word, Hosanna. Have you ever heard of the word Hosanna? If you've listened to much Christian music, you would have heard that word. And Hosanna is an interesting word. It has become a word of adoration and praise, but the word Hosanna actually means savers or salvation now. So what's interesting at this moment, as Jesus enters Jerusalem, the people are saying, you brought us out and you are bringing us out. You've saved us, but you're saving us as well. You've taken us somewhere else to, de- to deliverance and, and, to, and to freedom. Let me say something here about worship. We will never worship God if it's always contingent on our present circumstances. Let me say that again. We will never worship God if it is always contingent on our present circumstances. 
Sometimes we've just got to sing. Sometimes we've got to worship because he's brought us out and we trust that he will continue to bring us out. Nathan said that in our communion this morning. It's incredible that he's, he's brought us this far, but he will deliver us into eternity. He will save us completely and fully. And you've got to believe that this morning. And you know, even though you know, that loved one has gone and we go through those pain, that relationship has broken down. You know, I don't understand what's going on with my kids or my health issues. I can look at God's work, the one who has always been and always will be. I can say that you are true, that you are faithful, that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. And you can declare your praises and worship God. And friends might say that you're crazy. You've just lost your job. Why are you praising God? Why are you worshiping God? But we have to understand that our worship is not based on these brief momentary circumstances we find ourselves in, but that God is faithful. God is always faithful. He always has been and He always will be. That's why we can praise Him in whatever circumstance we find ourselves. And what's interesting here in this account is the people were worshipping God and yet they didn't really understand what God was was doing or what He was about to do. And we can worship even when things don't make sense. You ever been there? I don't understand what's happening, but I'm worshipping you. And these people are worshipping Jesus, thinking he's the one that's going to overthrow Rome, to overthrow the government. That Jesus is going to have a throne room. He's going to have an army. He's going to have rule and reign. What they don't even know, that in just a few days, he's going to die between two criminals. People have said, I will worship God when it makes sense. You know, they could be waiting a very long time because God is not like us. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I heard someone say this recently. It made me laugh. I thought it was a great picture, great image. But he, he said this, sometimes we've got to worship God when we're wet, when we're soaking wet. What did he mean by that? Well, when, if you remember when Jesus' disciples found themselves in a storm, and Peter got out of the boat. You remember the story, walked to Jesus, began to, began to sank in the water, got back in the boat. And the Bible says that all the disciples worshipped Jesus. They worshipped him. They worshipped him soaking wet in the storm that they thought they were going to die in. Think about that. They worshipped Jesus in the storm they thought they were going to die in. And sometimes our most purest form of worship, the most transformative worship, is when we worship him wet in the storms. And we don't understand why. God, I'm soaking wet right now. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm agitated. I was sure you were going to do X, Y, and Z. And you didn't even do A, B, and C. But I'm going to stand here and I'm going to worship you because I know you're true. I know you're faithful. I'm going to exercise my faith in you today. I'm going to put my trust in you. Can we do that today? Can we put our faith and our trust in God? Even when things don't seem to make sense, we know that God has got us. And these people here were celebrating that, saying that he's brought us out. Now he's going to bring us out. You've saved us and you're going to save us. When we worship God, you brought me this far. You'll see me through towards victory. Let's believe that for our lives. Let's believe it and declare with the people that blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. He is our salvation. He will save us. And in verse 38, and all the Gospels record this. It says this, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Glory in the highest. Hold on a minute. 
we've heard that expression of praise before. Glory in the highest. Where have we seen that before? Do you remember the shepherds on the hillside overlooking Bethlehem? You know at Christmas time, not far away, when Jesus was born on exactly December the 25th. It's coming, it's not far away. But do you remember what the angels said? And it's Luke 2 verse 14. They sang this, glory to God in the highest heaven. And it talks about the whole choir joining them. And, and then they sang, on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. I love this thought. And I'm not sure the people welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem that day realised, but their worship had just collided with heaven. It coincided with the same lyrics of heaven. I love that thought. There's something about worship, particularly when we sing and use music, that the Bible is clear, you know, about heaven. Think about it. There will be singing. There will be dancing. There will be a feast, which means they'll be eating in heaven. Somebody say amen. (laughs) There'll be no calorie counting, fat or carbs. That's for the other place. (laughs) But when we start to sing to worship, whether we're aware of it or not, we join with an eternity. We join with eternity. We join with heaven. What a great honour that is. And these people are praising glory to God in the highest. What they don't even know is that they've joined with the choirs of heaven. Jesus said this, when you pray, pray our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm telling you, when we worship, heaven and earth collide. When we worship, heaven and earth collide. And at the end of all things, at the culmination of all things, and the restoration of all things, and the reconciliation of all things, when the kingdom of God is fully revealed, there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and they will coincide. And if you like earth, if you like hills and lakes and oceans, God's creation, you're going to love eternity. For there will be a day when earth will be restored in the way that God intended it. Heaven and earth come together. But we get a glimpse of that today. We get a glimpse of that at this moment. That heaven and earth are to come together. And when we worship, particularly when we, we sing and use music, we're joining with heaven's voice. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. You know, it changes your view. It changes your perspective. It changes your appetite. It changes your desire when we sing glory to God in the highest. And these guys were singing what the choir in heaven was singing. And there's power there in that moment. Things will change. And today you might have come with something that's heavy on your heart. Maybe you've got something on your mind or in your soul. Maybe it's been there for days, maybe weeks, maybe years. But I believe there's power in worship. I believe there's power in praise. It might not always change your situation, but it will completely change your perspective. It might not always change your situation, but it will completely change your perspective. What if we could see everything on earth from heaven's perspective? If we could see everything on earth from heaven's perspective, look at the priorities of Jesus as heaven filled his heart and his thoughts. And I think when we too, when we worship, that heaven will fill our thoughts and the idea of eternity and what matters there, what's valuable there, what's important there can change what's happening right here and how our whole perspective changes. When we gather as a church, we're not gathering just to go through some religious routine. 
We're gathering together, believing that our perspective, our view, our, our worldview and our personal view and our identity can change as we align with the things of God and what mattered to him and what mattered to eternity. Glory to God in the highest. Let's give him our praise. Let's give him our glory. Let's give him our thanks, believing that he will change a situation. And finally, my third observation, and the band can join me here on the stage and all the bands in all the locations can can come forward as well. My third observation, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they criticised Jesus. There's nothing new there. They were always out to catch Jesus out. This is what they said. You need to tell your disciples they're praising you like your God. You need to tell your disciples they're praising you like your God. You know, people have said, and you may have heard this, that Jesus was a good man, but I, I don't believe he was God. But we've got to understand this. He accepted praise as if he was God. Jesus accepted praise as if he was God. He can't just be good. He's either got to have lost his mind completely or he is God. And the Pharisees are saying, nobody deserves worship other than God. So you can tell your disciples to stop worshipping you. And then Jesus responds with this most incredible of statements in verse 40. Again, he says this, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. What is Jesus saying? He's saying that worship is so central. It's so fundamental. It's so essential. If the centerpiece of my creation, the only one I have given my image to, if they don't use their free will to praise me, creation will find its voice. And do for them what they will not do. What an incredible thought. For even the trees understand why they are there. Even the fish in the sea understand why they swim. Even the lions, why they roam the grasslands in the Serengeti. I needed to get that in this morning. The elephants, the insects, they know. Apparently they know why, because they're wired. They're wired like we're wired to worship our God. And they have a fail-safe. That if we stop worshipping, if we stop worshipping, whether cognitively or not, because do rocks have a brain? I don't think so. But they will grow gums and lips and tongues if we don't do what we were created to do. See, we were created for relationship, for love and affection. And God designed us for that one primary reason, and that is to adore Him, to admire Him, to love Him, to speak of Him, to write of Him, to sing of Him, to create Him and and shape Him in all that we do. Think about that. What an amazing thought. That's what we were created for. And the Bible says in Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. See, there's a worldview that says the whole earth is the Lord's. Who says there's such a thing as secular and sacred? No, it all, it's all God's. It all belongs to Him. It all, it's all His. There's not a single thing that doesn't belong to God. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the counsellor of counsellors. He is the prime minister of prime ministers. He is the teacher of teachers. He is the leader of leaders. He is God. 
He is King. He is supreme. He is Lord. That is the God that we worship. We don't worship a man-made idea. We don't worship a book that was written by one person. We don't worship religious ideas and concepts. We're not singing to tradition. We're singing to a God who has always been and will always be. That He is the same yesterday, today and forever. We don't, when we get together, you know, we don't need to blow that up out of proportion. We don't need hype because you can't overestimate. It's impossible to overestimate the beauty and the the majesty and the glory of Jesus. I love uh, John's account, the Gospel of John, of what the Pharisees said. It says in John 12, verse 19, it says, so the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Look how the whole world has gone after him. And the message puts it like this. It's out of control, boys. (laughs) The world's in a stampede after him. What an incredible thought. Many in the world have found this out. They found Jesus as their saviour. Many are still to get their revelation. And that revelation is this, that what we crave for, what we long for, I believe is Jesus. It's Jesus. always been Jesus. So in these moments we share in community the church gathered usually once a week but there is a celebration of a redeemed community a saved and forgiven community see when we get together we just just wait until we start to sing just wait until we start to declare his word when our thoughts and our affections go to him watch the atmosphere start to change watch our perspective start to change because when two or more are gathered in his name He is there. He inhabits the praises of His people. This is what God's Word says, which is to say that God is everywhere, but He is specifically somewhere. And His evidence, His presence is there. And in those moments, sometimes we we raise our hands. Sometimes tears do run down our cheeks. Sometimes the hairs stand on the back of your neck. And we don't know why, but His presence is here. And he's here to assure you that he is God, that he is good, that he loves you and he's, he's not far from you. That even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil, for he is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil. Your cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Every one of us here, here in Chesterfield, in Derby, Sheffield, those watching online, you know, we're honoured and privileged to have a God revealed to us in the person of Jesus so that we can sing to Him, so that we can worship Him, so that we can adore Him. Let's stand right now across all our locations and I'm going to pray in a moment. Uh, And now I'm going to hand back to the the pastors in each location. But let's always be expectant when we begin to worship Jesus, when we lift our praises to Him. And in the next few moments, we're going to do that. And I really believe that God is going to move in your life and in the life of those around you. Come on, let's pray together. 
Father God, we thank You for Jesus. We thank You for who He is, for all that He has done. We thank You that He has saved us, that He has redeemed us, Lord, that He has forgiven us. Thank You that He has brought us out, but He's, he's going to save us, Lord. He's bringing us out of our current circumstances, our current situation. Thank You that we can worship You today. Thank You that we can declare Your praises, that we can give glory to You, Lord. Thank You that You are true, that You are faithful, that You are the same yesterday, today and forever. And we give praise and glory and worship to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's worship together. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.